Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unstrictly Business. This was a really valuable episode for me personally, and I think it will be a really valuable episode for any entrepreneur who is going through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I think that entrepreneurship isn't easy. It's definitely worth it, but getting to the point where things feel stable might not ever be a thing for creative entrepreneurs because we're always evolving, we always have new ideas, and so our business changes as we change. And I think that that is something that's really special about Tracy. She's the founder of Daisy Made, which is an online community for entrepreneurs. Tracy has had a lot of different roles as a creative, but her creativity is the thing that has kept her together throughout her life and so she has a really special journey. She started out working as a professional actress and was a blogger for a period of time and now has created this really special community for entrepreneurs to get value through blog posts and they have a shop and we learn about why Tracy started Daisy Made. We learn about her co-founder. We learn about how hard it was for Tracy to give up her blog after she had spent six years building a really incredible community. But we also talk about why it's important to start over when it's your time and why there are cycles in business and life and that when it's time to give something up, it shouldn't be seen as a bad thing, but just a new thing. So this is just a really great episode for anybody out there going through change or expecting their business to go through change in the future because Tracy is just a wise soul and had a lot to share about life's changes. Welcome to Unstrictly Business, a podcast where we interview business owners about everything that helps them succeed, from business advice to self-care and everything in between. I'm your host, Callie, and each week we'll share a new episode with behind-the-scenes content that reveals what it's really like to run a successful business. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on Unstrictly Business today. I'm really excited to chat more, but yeah, I can't wait to get started. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. So everyone listening, Tracy has a pretty cool business story and life. So I'm excited to share more about it with you guys. But Tracy, will you go ahead and tell us a little bit about growing up? And you said that you are the youngest of two. So you have an older brother. And were you kind of the typical younger child? I well, I I didn't realize I was a typical younger child until I became a mom myself. Uh, I have an older little boy with a little sister. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is like, this is how it works, I guess. I guess I was just kind of like the creative little free spirit of the family. But also I think the younger child kind of uh, assumes kind of like a peacekeeper role as well. So yeah, that's kind of like where I landed in my family growing up. Yeah, I think that's really interesting how you touched on being (laughs) a younger creative one because I think you don't always have 100% attention of your parents when you're one of two and you kind of have to figure things out on your own and entertain yourself so I think it's interesting how that creativity can play in there did you like grow up doing any creative arts so I grew up doing musical theater from a really young age my parents put me in community musical theater around first grade and I stuck with it all until I went to college So I was always surrounded in a really diverse, creative community, and I just felt really comfortable in that community. And kind of always, no matter what I've done in business, I've kind of always looked for that type of vibe, just a bunch of people like coming in and like expressing themselves and feeling accepted and taking on different roles. I kind of just, I've always loved that since I was little. Yeah, I always love talking to our founders about kind of where things started out when they were younger because there's always this, there's little signs throughout their childhood or veins that they followed through where they are today. And even though it might have transformed really differently, like even you're not doing musical theater now, but we'll get into later your career and how it's kind of transformed from theater to just creative in general. But so your dad, he worked at a bank and ended up being the CEO of a local bank. And how did he relate to your like creative arts? Was that something he really supported you through? Yeah, my parents have always been extremely supportive of my creativity. I think 
Um, and it's something that I've really been exploring lately. I think that my dad, because he came from a financial background, I think kind of like the first questions that would land on me when I was really excited about booking a creative gig kind of like dealt with money. And so I kind of felt like, I don't know, that kind of take the wind out of my my sails sometimes if I'd say like, I booked this awesome job. And then it was like, oh, good. Like, how's the pay? Then you're like, well, (laughs) so I think there was always kind of like a, you know, kind of like a pressure for me to land those really like great jobs that like fulfilled me, but also being able to like express that like they're actually going to pay me well. So that was kind of interesting. But my my parents are so proud and supportive and they always have been. So there's that's, that. <laughs> that's really nice. I think sometimes creatives might like butt heads with their parents who might like not understand that um, what it is like to be really passionate about creative arts. But I think that's an interesting point about your dad and the financial side of things. Because obviously, yeah. as a, a CEO of a bank, he's gonna, that's going <laughs> to be the first thing that comes to mind, even though it might not have been the first thing you were thinking about. Like, you yeah. might have a role or really like the people that you're going to be working with. Like, that might be something that draws you towards a gig. I do think creative people need that person in their life or someone that will say like, are you taking care of your finances? Are you like set up appropriately? Because I mean, honestly, if it was just me, I think I would just like bounce around through life, just (laughs) making it work. So I think having like some grounding people in your life that aren't like putting pressure on you to deliver, make lots of money, but just kind of checking in with you and making sure like you kind of have your ducks in a row, I think it can actually be really helpful. I don't know if that's true for you, but my mind doesn't work like that. (laughs) No, same. We just recently had a workshop with a financial coach and she did a money mindset session. And both of my parents were entrepreneurs. So money was something that we were always like, they definitely had their struggles. And so I think that I kind of grew up in a place where I was like, okay, I love my independence and I love that I could work for myself, but the money side of things didn't seem to come so easy. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's definitely, and it's funny, my boyfriend is like the complete opposite of me. He's so strict with his money and he's so careful with what he spends. And I am getting better, but I think I'm someone that's like, I love, I'm so passionate about this. And this is I know like money can come back to me. (laughs) So I'm someone that's like more willing to risk for a business, which is something we can get into later too. Yeah, that's how I am as well. But that's, it's interesting. So you're doing musical theater and you continue it through high school or when do you kind of get into professional acting as your full-time gig? So I actually went to college at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. So I graduated high school and I went to school immediately in New York for musical theater and did musical theater for a really long time. And then just kind of like what we were talking about, I started to feel, I think you get experience under your belt and then you realize that your time needs to start being valued and you need to start making like money. Musical theater is very... It's a rigorous career and the pay is not always great. It's a lot of travel. So I started um, pushing myself more in the direction of film and television because I could make the same amount in one day as I was making for like an entire tour doing musical theater. And that's when I started going in that direction. So I guess I was in entertainment professionally from like the age of 17 and then, you know, onward from there. Awesome. Do you kind of remember, was that transition difficult for you or was it pretty smooth going from more musical to commercial? I think it required, I needed to put in the work to gain the confidence to be able to like, so musical theater is, theater is a very like communal like form of theater, in my opinion, or, you know, you're kind of like, you have a big cast and you're, you feel supported and everyone's like working together. And for film and television, I think it's like, I needed to build the confidence to step into a room on my own and then potentially carry jobs on my own. So 
it came with a lot of nervousness, but I think that like pushing myself towards that was just like anything in life. It's when you take a step into something that feels really scary and then you like can elevate your skills. I personally, like I think it was a really good decision and opened a lot of doors for me. So yeah, it was scary, but I think it really unlocked like a new level of confidence and independence for me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think you also, when we talked before, mentioned that doing the auditions kind of prepared you for starting over and getting those no's. Like there is a lot of failure as an entrepreneur. And so can you kind of talk a little bit about how auditioning kind of prepared you for being a business owner? Oh, for sure. So there are so many like cringeworthy moments that I think back on or like jobs that I've taken that I'm like, oh my gosh. But I feel like walking into multiple audition rooms a week and basically putting yourself out there and then walking out and not knowing whether you're going to book it or not, or maybe just having a really bad audition and learning to leave it behind. It's kind of like tissue paper. Like you use it once you like, you know, you crumble it up and then you throw it away and you like move on. I think that's really prepared me for running a small business. I've had launches that have not gone well. I've had uh, products that I thought would do really well, or like, you know, I kind of, it's imagine it as an audition. You walk in and you think you're, you know, you have a great idea and, and like, you're going to like kill it. And then (laughs) it does not go well. And I think I've just learned that like, I don't need to be embarrassed when I put myself out there and things fail. And whether it's a product launch, a company that you had an idea for that you've tried and maybe it's fizzled out, putting yourself out there with a partnership that doesn't really follow through or doesn't end up being compatible. I think it's a really good lesson that you just have to keep trying things and see what sticks and you don't need to be ashamed to change course, like constantly be trying new things and, and see what sticks. And if it doesn't, you just move on. And I think you don't have to be embarrassed about that at all. Yeah, definitely. I think every failure is is a learning opportunity. And when you look at the number of businesses that super successful business owners have started, it gets pretty high up there. I think that like there's like five failures or something before you reach the thing that really works for you. But if you never start or never go through those, then you're just starting that path later. And so even if you feel like you've learned more or you're ready for like the perfect product, if you do it in 10 years, I think you're not going to learn as much as if you start now. So Right. I and I think social media has kind of created the pressure for people to stick with stuff and keep pushing even if it doesn't feel right. Like, you know, once you've built a following, it's heartbreaking to let something go because you're like, but I've like, I worked so hard to get this many followers or do this much And now I'm supposed to like just leave it behind. But if something's not working, I think you just have to learn to like move on and it's okay. Like, and also the people that you've established relationships with from one business, those like really like loyal people are going to follow over for anything that you do, you know? So yeah, I think learning to walk away is, is a really big lesson. Yeah, for sure. I really want to like, get into more of that with your story Um, because I think it is really special that you keep going and that you don't go back to what's easy because what is happening right now is too hard. So after you go into your professional actress for 10 years and what kind of what's your next step after you decide like when do you kind of know acting okay this is like a closed door for me you become a mom kind of walk us through that transition. So I think the beauty of acting or any type of theater is you can set it down and you can come back at any time, any age, any weight, any like anything, like no matter who you are, you can jump back in. For me, when I got pregnant um, with my son, I went to a couple like auditions pregnant where they were looking for pregnant moms. I didn't it didn't like feel the same to me. I took my son on one audition as like a mommy son duo. It didn't feel right to me. And I just decided that that phase needed to be set down. I definitely feel that somewhere along the line, I will come back to it. 
but it wasn't for me in this stage of my life. I really just wanted to be present and home, but I knew I still needed to be able to express myself creatively and be a part of community. Like I am, I cannot be the mom or the wife or the person that I want to be if I'm not somehow, if I don't have a creative outlet and it does not need to be paid. It just needs to be a part of my life. So that's when I started, man, so this was six years ago. That's when I started blogging and I kind of like just started by sharing the renovations of our very first house and, you know, like your typical mommy stuff, recipes that I photographed so horribly that (laughs) I look back back at pictures and I'm like, oh my gosh, like how mortifying. But I just kind of started sharing that side of myself and creating stuff at home. And I feel like it got me through the first couple years of motherhood, honestly. Yeah. I think that is something that I'll, I mean, I've never been a mom, but I've had a lot of talks with my mom and just like looking through old journals before vlogging was a thing. And she would always say that having kids made her so much more creative or being pregnant, like kind of made her feel in like a special sort of groove, like creating life and what else can I create out there? But in your beginning of blogging, was it kind of hard to find an audience? Or do you remember when you kind of reached that breaking point of being like, okay, I'm doing pretty good with this? So it's weird. Like back when I started blogging, there, I don't know, did Instagram exist right away? I don't think it did. Oh yeah, it did. I guess it did. Yeah. Cause I had Instagram in New York. I guess there just wasn't a pressure on creatives to to churn out at such an alarming rate. So I would honestly just like create stuff and put it up there, pin it, and somehow everything just worked. And I created like a really great business that way. Um, and honestly, I just I just shut down that blog literally during the start of the pandemic. Like I, I stuck with it for a long time. But yeah, it didn't feel as hard back then because it just wasn't so saturated and blogs were actually people really read them and kind of just, I don't know, felt a lot effortless, a lot more effortless back then. And I guess too, because it, I looked at it more as an outlet, I didn't put as much pressure on myself to monetize it right away. And oddly enough, when you're in that mindset and you do stuff just because you enjoy it and not to necessarily make money, somehow it evolves on its own, which is really weird. (laughs) Yeah, that is really weird. I've kind of noticed that with the um, reels that I've been making for some of my social media clients, Mm -hmm. um, that it's so much harder to make the authentic content because you know, versus what I make on my personal profile, that it's, for me, like, I'm just shooting, oh, I'm in Chicago for the day. I'm going to take a video of me being in Chicago. Whereas for the clients, it's like, we have to shoot all this content and make a strategy and goals. And I mean, we've had some reels get like 50,000 views with like our 300 followers for one of the smaller accounts, which is really great. It's great. It's some, it sometimes feels a little bit more forced than mm-hmm. uh, my personal content. So is that kind I of- think- Oh, sorry. I just think right now people are like yearning for connection and for authenticity. Like we are, the last year and a half has been so overstimulating, so much to digest, so much just like coming at us through our phones that I think the things that are making us pause are just like really simple moments with people that feel I just feel authentic and easy. And as a brand, it's hard to create stuff like that around a product sometimes. And, or if you're batching, you know, batch working, it's hard to just like, you know, give that energy off. So I totally understand how you feel. It's like, sometimes I'll throw stuff on my personal account and get like triple what I would get on my business account where I paid for like a full production team. And I'm like, wait, (laughs) what? Yeah. It's crazy. It is really like I work for this uh, Magnolia farm in Florida and sometimes we'll post pic like the owner will just text me a picture that she took on her iPhone and mm-hmm. it'll do so well because people are like, wow, this is what's really happening on the farm. Whereas yeah, some of the really beautiful pictures that the photographer will come in and take, they also do well, but some of them like don't do as well because I think it 
feels exactly what you're saying. It's harder to connect with those images than it is to like a 50 year old mom on her iPhone being like, here's what we're doing on the farm today. Like, right. (laughs) I think people really love that. I think that's the biggest thing that I've had to separate from when it comes to my like production acting background. Like I'm just so used to everything being produced at a certain level and having to be professional that like I will, I, I cannot like wrap my mind around just like taking iPhone video and like throwing it up. And like, I feel like, but wait, like, is it going to look? bad on the feed? Is it going to like, I definitely obsess. And I think that holds a lot of creatives back who hold themselves to such a high standard. But again, I think people really are just hungry for like really connecting and getting to know people on like a real level with real images. And I think it's a happy medium for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think because you've been in the industry for so long that you've had that evolution of like I'm sure when you started out your blog it was like I'm just doing as best as I can and I'm just taking a picture with my camera and but I think that you kind of learn as you go and having that balance is really important so you transition out of your blog and that's kind of when you had to say goodbye or not goodbye forever but like tell your audience that you were closing down um how was that I don't know we kind of touched on it earlier but I would love to yes so there weren't many positives this last, like, you know, this year, this last year and a half, it's, it's been, you know, pretty difficult, but I think the one blessing has been just, I've had kind of like just such a person, so much personal growth in terms of my business and like just my mindset. So with the, I had been blogging about like my personal life, not my personal life, but like sharing stuff from my point of view for the last six years. And when the pandemic started and I, I've always been a st- like a full-time mom, but when I s- took on the education of my kids last year, I had to set aside a lot of stuff. Pretty much all of my creative businesses just got set down. And I noticed that with my personal blog, when I set it down, I felt an extreme sense of relief to not have to deliver and create content. And I really thought about why I felt that extreme sense of relief. And I think I just was not comfortable being the teacher anymore. I felt like I had shared what I could share and I was ready to like be the student again and learn from other people and create a community that felt full and supportive. And I also thought about how social media was making me feel early this year. And I truly felt like life was like falling apart. <laughs> I still very much feel su- such deep sadness and loss this year. And I am very privileged. And in the grand scheme of things, my life has not been like hugely affected like a lot of other people. So for me, did it feel right to be churning out recipe photos and like blog posts about outfits and pretty pictures of my house when so many people were feeling so overwhelmed and literally just trying to get through their day? No, it didn't feel right to me. And I saw a lot of people just never stop pushing stuff out and never acknowledge what what the community was going through. And for me, it just didn't feel right at all. And everyone has a business to run. And I, I can appreciate consistency through a really hard time. For me, it didn't feel possible and it didn't feel authentic. So I just decided to let that part of my business go and focus more on creating like a support system for for creatives, like where they are, you know, just wherever they are and in their journey, whether they're like actively creating or working professionally or just doing stuff as a hobby or even as therapy, I wanted people to feel celebrated. So that's when I kind of transitioned out of my, that was a long winded answer, but that's when I transitioned out of my personal blog and my quote unquote, I hate the word influencer, but like I was making money off of my Instagram. So my, you know, my, that account, I had to lay it to rest. I just literally deleted it. So there's that. (laughs) 
Yeah, but I think that takes a lot of courage. I think it can be really hard to listen to your intuition, especially when it goes against like maybe what other people are saying or what you've kind of been doing for the last five years, six years. It can be hard to say, especially when it was something that you loved and that you started in a place of passion. But I do think that as a business owner, things do evolve. And I think especially with what's been going on, I mean, it's been a really hard year. And I think people, (laughs) we see, see on the news, like everything that's going on. And so everyone knows, okay, life's hard, but I think we don't really have those authentic conversations as much as we should about it. I think maybe it's easy to share something on social media from like another profile of like, this is what's going on. Like, this is how you can help. And I've definitely shared those sorts of things too. But I think there are a lot of people that need to talk. And I've like opened up my DMs or opened up for questions to people of like, what's a really good thing that's happened to you this month or something? (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. it can be really hard and isolating even when you're surrounded by all these people. So I think that's brave. Yeah, I think there was also a huge push this year of like, you're home and you have all this time, like use it to like create, you finally have the time to create, like, let's make a reel every day for 30 days, let's do this challenge, let's do that challenge. And I think that's great. Like, if that motivates you and that empowers you and makes you feel good, that's wonderful. For me, the more I saw how much, I should be creating and how I could be using this year to turn my business into a six-figure business or grow my following. I just felt my head like want to explode because it just, for me, that's not the support I felt like I needed. And if I felt like that, then I had to start thinking about how my content was making other people feel and how I could adjust it to like create a more positive environment. And what's a positive environment for me is not for everyone. So I totally acknowledge that. But yeah, that's why I just decided to to shift. Yeah. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. And I think what you've created with Daisy Made is really beautiful. So I think Thank that, you. I mean, things have, everything happens for a reason, I think. And I think you followed the path towards something really great so will you kind of thank you for sharing that and being yeah I think everyone needs to hear that other people are going through hard times too because sometimes it can feel like everyone's just pushing through and you have to keep going and be strong for everyone else but sometimes vulnerability can be a strength too so and as business owners we are literally doing everything ourselves right now and a lot of people have the added well and we're trying to survive a pandemic and then a lot of people also are have stepped into the educator role for their children or the caretaker role for their family. And it's just a lot to expect from people, you know, to that everyone is able to create at the same pace. And I just I hope everyone knows that you that like for me, you have to be you have to be okay with creating at your own pace. So yeah. Uh, uh, well, thank you. I love talking about this kind of stuff and saying that it's okay to do as you like because I think there is a lot of noise out there on the internet of like make six figures or make a 10k month or like I, I've seen a million. I made 30 reels in 30 days, but I think that if you're creating authentically and you're finding other people like you, then there's ways to grow organically, not following everyone else and. I think you kind of proved that going into blogging, not really sure what you were doing, but ended up creating this successful blog. So I think that's proof to everyone out there that is like, I don't know where I'm going, but I think we all kind of know in our inner selves. For sure. Um, but so you closed down your blog. Was it it's called Tracy Made? Uh, it was called Hey Tracy. Oh, Hey Tracy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Tracy. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a little, it's a little much. <laughs> so uh, you closed down Tracy. Hey Tracy, and when was like what kind of happened between that and the beginning of Daisy Made? So I kind of did it like in one fluid move. I I just basically went into Hey Tracy and I redesigned the site to become Daisy Made and just kind of like redirected the um 
web address and just kind of like let so if anyone went to hey tracy they'd automatically find daisy made you're gonna see my face there too and i just kind of like made one flow into the other there wasn't like huge thing and then i mean people were going through so much when i relaunched in august anyway that i just don't think anyone even really noticed like it wasn't a huge deal and just basically said that it was on my heart to create you know this community and just really invite anyone who wanted to be a part of it to join and teach and share and so yeah that's kind of how we transitioned and it was not yeah it wasn't a huge ordeal thank goodness yeah but sounds like what you needed and sometimes that can be the best transition is just like a quiet one that's on your own terms but that's really awesome so have you passed the one year anniversary of yeah, we the first week of August was our first year. And honestly, I'm just so proud of this last year because we didn't, we weren't out like actively trying to get likes or find people or like, you know, sell our, our community. We really just were consistent about putting out things that we believed in and sharing people that were doing really cool things. And like, we're not at 10,000 follows or any of the big milestones that, you know, we all are chasing. But I will say that like, I've never had, I've never had a community with any of my businesses that I felt so connected with. Like, I really feel like I could go down the whole list of people following us and people we follow. And I know what who they are what their business is you know and I feel like truly excited and supported like and I feel like it's mutual that's really awesome I think that is something that I think it's really easy to look at the numbers but for me the quality of your community is so much greater than the quantity you can I remember this one story of I can't remember who the influencer was but she posted on her story I think she had a million followers and she was like guys what would would you be happy if I came out with my own merch and she just did a little poll and they were like yes that'd be great and she showed t-shirts and people voted on them but on her launch day of the t-shirts I think she sold like 25 t-shirts because her that's not why her community had been following her and they weren't really connected with like the deeper version of her just more liking her pretty pictures and that was kind of it so Hmm. I think that that is a huge like being able to know all the people in your followers and I think that's a really big accomplishment and I always have read like the thing about having a thousand true fans and how if you have a thousand true fans then you can survive as a business because you have a thousand people that are willing to follow you to a new place or um read your blog articles and a thousand people is enough to get by Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I mean, this this business hasn't come without learning experiences or growing pains either. Like even the shop, the shop has been a really huge growing like learning experience because we never set out to have a certain type of follower. I guess you never know who's going to come, right? You build a community and you don't know who's going to come. So it just so happens that like 80% of people that follow us have their own small businesses or their own small shops and they're creators, right? So we can all support each other, but like I feel like small businesses don't necessarily need to buy lots of stuff from other small businesses, right? We're all like, we were selling like small shop goods and they were, they were selling, but it was taking a while. And I was like trying to kind of figure out like, why aren't our stuff is so cute? Like, why isn't it doing well. And then it was like, well, if this is our community, if our community is other small shop owners, just like us, somehow we have attracted like people like us, what would help us? Like what types of tools do we need or do we use? And that's when we kind of started going the route of like, we just launched like the project pads where you can like map out a creative project. And then those did well. And it's like, okay, like you don't know, like, I think attaching a shop to a community can be hard because you just don't know who's going to show up and what they're going to want. And those kinds of things take time. So I don't know where I'm going with this except to urge like everyone to like when you're going to sell stuff or launch things like I first of all, I think 
ordering a small number the first time is like a really good idea. But also just like knowing that it's going to take a while to tap into like the needs of your community or like the wants and not to feel like a failure if you do a launch and you sell like three things. (laughs) Because we actually, the things we didn't sell online, I took out to like community markets and they would all sell out because the people strolling by they're going to like the right people are going to find you and they're just going to buy it on the spot. So yeah, the online marketplace is kind of like, it takes a lot of finesse and a lot of learning. So don't be discouraged with that. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And knowing that if something doesn't do well the first time that it's not going to do well the second time or a mm-hmm. different product, I think that is really cool how you went to the like community market and everything just sold out because of people there are completely different than the people following you. Yeah. Online is a whole different beast because you, the right, you, you have to, the right people have to find what you're selling, you know, and there's a, if it's not your followers, then, you know, I don't know the, you can like promote stuff on Etsy or whatever, but it can get a little harder. So I do recommend like going out into your local community with some, you know, small, goods from your shop and just see the type of customer that's coming and buying them and, and kind of like figure out like, what does this person do? What are their needs? Like, why are they attracted to this? And kind of see if it connects to your, the audience in your community. Yeah, that is interesting. I, um, being able to test two different markets online and offline because those are people that you can ask or kind of see more about them. It's when you get an order on your online shop, you get their email and maybe you know who it is on your followers, but you're not going to be able to get the same vibe from the person or why they're buying it. Like maybe they're saying, oh, I'm going to buy this for my daughter or something like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So kind of diving into the more financial side of things, is your shop kind of the main because that got added on later, or was did that come directly with? Me? Yeah, we launched that a little bit later, and it's. I think, um, like, I want to be super honest because it doesn't help anyone to not be honest. The shop has not been a huge generator online. All of our sales, like our, all the times I've sold out, it's been going to pop ups. So yes, the items we've sold have all sold out and have generated income. But is it like our huge source of income? No, I think we're, we're only a year in. We did our launch, I don't know, a couple months ago and definitely still finding our footing. Even the notepads, like if you order at a small quantity, it's just so, it's so expensive that like you're just not making a huge profit. So yeah, I, I think that the shop is going to just take time and persistence, but we are our blog does really well. We have really great viewership and our ads do really well. And also we have someone that reaches out right now to do partnerships with creative companies. So that obviously companies that we really like truly love and want to work with. So that is really our focus financially right now. And I think the shop will fall into place. We also have some in-person meetups that keep getting pushed back, but just skill sharing workshops that we're really excited about coming up for this next year. Oh, that's exciting. I love yeah. that. I think, I don't know. I feel like as a creative, people are always wanting to learn. I feel like I can never learn enough. I'm such a Google addict of asking questions, but I think that will be really fun once things settle down a little. It's just really hard to plan this year. It Um, is. I feel like every time I'm like, I'm going to do this. It's like, well, you can't really do that yet. I know. And we've thought about doing online workshops, but honestly, I just feel, and this is like just me personally, like creatives are just longing to be together and like use our hands and like touch, feel, see things. And I think it's just worth waiting to be able to do that safely and just getting like at a community level, people together just feels, it feels right to me and I, I'm okay with waiting. Yeah, no, I, that's something cause do all department, we're going through a transition right now. We were originally marketing to like solopreneurs and people that wanted to like take better care of themselves and their business in one place. So we had like our yoga classes and our workshops, but I think that 
people are really worn out from doing virtual workshops and everything that we do is online. I wanted originally to do like in person, but our community is so spread out that it's kind Mm -hmm. of hard to do that. But I think that, I mean, that's we're just like going through the transition of marketing more to like small virtual businesses that maybe can only get together virtually because someone's in Denver and someone's in LA and someone's in Miami that want to like provide support for their employees rather than I think we're all just trying to find our footing right now and like it's going to continue to change and (laughs) we just got to roll with it yeah I think and that's why I was loved reading through your Q&A because it was just I felt like so in line with what we're going through right now and I think it's natural for every business owner to make changes as they go love having this honest chat (laughs) me Um, too But I do want to touch a little bit about on ads because I think that is something that can be a little bit scary to business owners. So you obviously have experience for a while working with ads. Is that something that you like mostly do for on your own? What What do you mean by ads? Like Facebook ads or yeah? So you mentioned that one of the like main revenue sources for Daisy Made has been ads. Is that mostly like, oh. your blogs? Yes. Um, sorry. Yeah. Like okay. pop-up ads um, yeah. on the blog, which honestly, I have such mixed feelings about ha- like having them mixed into our blog, but it's just such an easy way to to make money and be able to support continuing to do the work and PR writers and everything. So yeah, we do use the the pop-up ads and we try to make them as unobnoxious as possible. But yeah, that is something that we've incorporated. And then as far as paying for ads, honestly, I have found I found success in just growing our community and finding the right people doing Instagram, like promoting posts on Instagram. I know that's not for everybody, but I have found that when I'm really targeted in the description that we're, we're creating like really good relationships. So I don't know. I would also suggest that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I think that there is a lot of out there about ads and sometimes it can be overwhelming of like, what's the best for your business? So I'm always interested to hear. Yeah, I wish I could say I was the authority on that, but I think I do basically like the lowest common denominator on on all of that stuff. I kind of just am, we kind of do the basic, you know, just nothing flashy and we don't, we haven't been running like Facebook ads or anything like that. But I do know that, you know, there's a lot of great educators out there that will teach you how to do them correctly. I'm just not one of them. (laughs) I feel like I need to, I was talking to, because I do want to talk on bringing your hire. You work with Riley and she works with Ariel who did my website. And so she did this whole ads thing. And I am so interested to learn more about that. But I always love seeing how other entrepreneurs are learning from it. But I kind of want to get into some of the like um, wins you've had as a business or some things that have been really rewarding with Daisy Made. If you can think of any like specific things. Yeah, I think the most exciting moments we've had are seeing different people in our community discover each other and then collaborate. It's been like so exciting. There are two women, they're featured both of them. They're both local. And then I saw that they were like partnering to create a product and I reached out and I was like, wait, you guys know each other? And they had discovered each other through Daisy Me. That's happened a couple times. That was the whole point was like, to me, that was like, it was creating community that actually went beyond like just liking posts or commenting. It was like getting into each other's DMs, having conversations, getting to know, finding other local creators and like working together. And so anytime something like that happens, I'm really excited And then just like on a really small win level, which I mean, it doesn't seem like a big deal, I'm sure to a lot of people because it doesn't involve money, but just being recognized by different companies that we've created content using their product and having them reach out and say, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Like, would you be willing to create more of this for us? And having those conversations with basically dream brands that 
we were just making videos for because we, we love them. That to me feels like, okay, we're doing something right because we didn't create this as like an ad or a commercial with any like intention of getting paid, but like this brand feels like what we're doing is valuable. So that's been a really big deal. And trying to think anytime we get, we have a creative that agrees to do a Q&A and a feature with us, we still squeal being, get excited because I mean, a lot of people, first of all, it takes their, it's time and energy to fill out the questionnaire and do the whole, it's not easy to be featured. Like, I mean, it takes, you know, you have to answer all the questions and everything. So just the fact that they trust us with their story and their time is really meaningful. And I still get excited every single time. I love that. And I think that's so important too. I'm the same way with my podcast. When people respond, I'm always so excited. Um, yes. And I think celebrating those little wins can be important when you're going through building a business because it can feel hard, but knowing like, hey, I did a good thing today. Um, yeah. I think, I think everything I just mentioned is really about creating trust and I'm not sure that in my last, with my last, I don't know. I, I ask myself, like, did I create, have I ever created this level of trust? I don't know. I would hope so, but I actually feel it this time. Like, you know, the brands trust us to create content that feels real, like real and honest. I think our audience feels like we won't share anything we don't believe in and our creatives are trusting our judgment and reaching out to each other and creating like meaningful relationships. So I think that's like all you want in your business, right? Is to start with that as a, you know, your, what's it called? Like the groundwork is really building like trust. And if that's where we are after a year, if all we have right now is trust and 3000 followers that, that we actually know, like I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I, think it really like I don't know just coming across your website and your profile and really just feeling connected to it I think you guys do a really good job of showing what you're about and um, I think that that is definitely a win in itself and that's the kind of last thing that I want to touch on is your branding because it's it's so beautiful and I think the even the wording you use really comes across clearly about what you guys do so I know it's you have it Riley who was one of your hires or your team members, is that kind of like, did she help you with the branding from the beginning or was that something that you did? So Riley is actually the co-founder of Daisy Made. So she, anything you see that's like graphic design, pretty much uh, it was Riley. The blog, my blog was designed by Ariel, who you also had on your show. And because her, the way she builds websites is so amazing. I was actually able to transition Hey Tracy over to Daisy Made and have it look like a completely different website by just changing elements of the template, which is just incredible because, you know, you don't want to have to build a brand new website. So yeah, just love those two ladies so, so much. And in terms of the words, I'm so happy that you um, noticed that. We actually hired a copywriter and I absolutely suggest it uh, if you feel like you have trouble bragging about yourself and what you do. If you find it hard to write your own bio, I feel like I could write about anybody or anything, but when it comes to writing about my own business or myself, I'm just like paralyzed. So we worked with someone named Anna Lee Woods. She's incredible. I think she's on maternity leave right now, but I think it was probably our biggest investment and our best investment, honestly, because I use some version of the word she created for our website in every pitch email, every like introduction email. I've really been able to get my money's worth out of those words. And they're just like, they really do a great job of, of um, describing what we do. Oh, that's so interesting. I think words, like a beautiful branding, it's so important, but I think the words are a key part of that too. Cause I mean, I think anyone who has trouble talking about themselves, like go into an interview and you have to brag about yourself. It's like, oh, I don't want to say too much, but I don't want to not say enough. So 
I think that is a good advice to anybody that is struggling with their wording. Well, what I see in a lot of creative bios or profiles is like super self-deprecating language. I think a lot of us are embarrassed to just like be very clear about what we do and brag about who we are. And so it will be like, I think my old uh, bio was like, (laughs) it was like mom, wife, creative, tired or something like that. I'm like, why did I say tired? I I don't know. To be funny because I felt weird. I don't know. But I think and a lot of websites, it will be like probably lounging in sweatpants like this, that like silly stuff, which that's who we are. Right. And I think that that humor is so necessary in your audience getting to know you. But I think you also have to be able to like really like confidently describe yourself so that others know exactly who you are and what you're doing. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's a, a great investment along with a great website. Yeah. Agreed. So how did you find um, Riley? Hmm. <laughs> Basically online through through Instagram. I actually interviewed somebody on my podcast that knew her and was like, you have got to meet her. You guys are like so on the same page. So I actually hired her to design Valentine's Day cards for me. Like couple years ago for a business that I had. And yeah, we kind of like took it from there. And one day we were talking, it was during the the very start of the pandemic. And I was just expressing that I could not even take the whole like boss babe culture during this like time where literally everyone was like crumbling. I'm like, it will just never die. It will never stop. And we just set out to create something that felt more positive. And yeah, she's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, we are finishing up our time here. This was really fun. I loved being able to chat with you. Usually I let everybody say like where they can find you and your business and anything else you'd want to share with our listeners. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can find us on Instagram at Hello Daisy Made. And I think that's probably the best place to go because then you can look in our links in our bio and find everything else. Um, our website is daisymade.com. And also just kind of like an open invitation to creatives. We're always like happy to do lives, to have conversations, to open up our, our community for other people to teach if it aligns with our values, which basically just mean if you're inspiring, empowering, or supporting creatives, then you are welcome to come and share what you do with us. We'd love to have you. And yeah, that that's about it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tracy. I had a lot of fun catching up today. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so fun and you are doing a great job as well. And I just, I love watching your business grow. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unstrictly Business. Want to learn more about how you can create a successful business of your own? Visit our website, dowelldepartment.com. Dowell, D-E-P-T, dot com. See you next week.